and welcome back to another episode of Bite Size Cinema. I'm your host RJ McCready and for this episode I'm going to be taking you guys back to the year in 2000 to have a look at uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's adventure, backpacking, drama, The Beach. So let's go back to Thailand, let's go to that beach, let's play you guys a trailer and I'll see you soon. So what else do you need to know? Stuff about my family or where I'm from? None of that matters. Not once you cross the ocean and cut yourself loose. Looking for something more beautiful. Something more exciting. Yes, I admit. Something more dangerous. Bangkok. Good time city. Gateway to Southeast Asia. Wanna drink snake blood? Beach, beautiful too much at sensation. I tried to keep it under control, but it just keeps spilling in, spilling in, spilling in. I was waiting for it to hit me. But it just wouldn't happen. I just feel like everyone tries to do something different, but they always wind up doing the same damn thing. One kilometer. Two. So let's go. And welcome back guys. So the synopsis for this film is Richard travels to Thailand and finds himself in possession of a strange map. Rumours state that it leads to a solitary beach paradise, a tropical bliss. So excited and intrigued he sets out to find it. It's got 119 minute runtime. it's classed as a adventure drama romance and it's actually an R rated movie, it's actually an 18, I didn't realise it was an 18 but I guess there's some elements in this film that sort of justify it being that. All um, oh, right. It was distributed by 20th Century Fox with a 50 million dollar budget, and 20 millions of that it was actually given to Leonardo DiCaprio because he was hot property at the time. And um, it did well. It did well at the cinema. Uh, it did uh, 140 million dollars return, so it wasn't too bad back in 2000. And it's based on a novel by Alex Garland, and he is a uh, English writer. He wrote the novel back in 1996 and it sold really well, everybody was reading it and 
Alex Garland, he's familiar to cinema, especially the director of this film, um, Danny Boyle. He's written some screenplays for him. He did uh, 28 Days Later, the sci-fi movie Sunshine, and he also did another sci-fi action-adventure movie related to the 2000 AD franchise, which is the Dread movie starring Carl Urban. I didn't actually know that until I read about all this. So um, he's a busy guy and, you know, a very clever bloke. Has his hands in a few different pies, and he also directed as well. He did a right, directed a movie called Ex Machina, uh, which is another sci-fi movie. And going back to the Beach novel, um, it is actually recognised for the millennial generation, which is called the Gen X culture, uh, which is a culture where they. I'll explain what it is. Looking at this, um, the the take that I get on it is that you have a culture of people who. I suppose in the early part of the century, you could say that people, you know, got married and had a sort of system and that's how you did things. And then, for example, you had a generation which they called the the MTV generation in the 80s, um, where you had a little bit, you know, modern technology and people were watching uh, music videos as a young generation. I think what what they're saying with the Gen X generation is it's the millennials as as people have um, gone into the millennium, the younger generation has wanted to explore, they've wanted to branch out, they want to go on their own adventures, and it's all about having an active, happy work-life balance. So um, this book goes into that, and I'll go in. I'll explain a little bit more with, that, with this um, story when I do the film review later on, but. As a roundup, it's basically the uh, you know the backpacker generation, which is still happening now. You know, people are still going out exploring you now after universities and taking years out. And I, I remember that being a big thing back in the day when I watched this. You know, it, I think it kind of ignited that a little bit more with this film as well. Um, but the thing I got out of this was the darker elements of that, which I'll explain uh, why later on. But um, before I move into that story, I'm just going to talk about the director. Now, this is directed by Danny Bourne. He's a hell of a director. He's a brilliant guy. Um, he's a very influential director. He's very successful. I think he's one of the most successful British directors of our time. And he's made some incredible movies. He's done um, Train Spotting, Shadow Grave, Slumdog Millionaire, uh, The Game Changer 28 Days Later, you know, pretty much reignited the zombie genre. Uh, he did Sunshine, 127 Hours with James Franco. And more recently, he's done a sort of musical with a bit of spin on it. It was just uh, yesterday, which is quite a good film. And he's also won um, eight Academy Awards. He's done very well. He's very successful. But ultimately, with Danny Ball, I, I really like him because I I feel like he's created this signature of films. As you've mentioned, as I've mentioned this before in my movie reviews with um, directors, I think that some directors, when you hear their name, you kind of know that something special is going to happen with that film. Whether it's going to be a horror element or you know an action element, it's like you've got Quentin Tarantino, say for example. When you hear his name, people generally come out and say, "Well, if what if Quentin Tarantino directed uh, Jurassic Park?" people would say oh my god I bet that'd be a really violent movie or something like that which it is it's generally known for uh, something dark something violent now when I hear Danny Boyle I I tend to think the same thing because his films tend to have a dark element in generally human society you had it with um, 
shallow grave. It was exploring what someone decent would do in a situation which would make them almost like a killer, which is, you know, the case in that that story there with, um, I think it was Ewan McGregor. And a bit of a spoiler here with uh, Shallow Grave, but where you've got the, you know, the really nice Christopher Eggleston character who completely <laughs> into almost like a psycho in that movie. And then you've got um, Train Spotting, which obviously explores the dark side of narcotics and that effect of drug abuse. And then you've got 28 Days Later, where you've got the social breakdown. You've got not zombies in that film, but you've got like an infection. You've got survivors who are thinking, I've got to get away from these infected. But ultimately, by the end of that movie, and again, another spoiler here. The whole point of that movie, which he explores, is the fact that the real threat there is actually humans. You know, humans are still the threat. They're still going to try and have you over or try and kill you or try and sort of benefit in some ways. You know, there's that selfishness. So, um, and again, with Sunshine, I think it's a sci-fi movie, but they're still questioning humanity. And I just like that every time... Danny Boyle brings out a movie, just explores um, the social network and what, what we would do as a society to each other in a story which is either, like I said, connected with narcotics, zombies, exploration, sci-fi, and with this film where it's... Um, when I watched this back in the day, it's about a guy who goes looking for paradise, he's looking for a beach, he's looking to explore, he's a young guy. And he finds his paradise, and then ultimately, by the end of it, he still has to deal with the same everyday lives, you know, um, selfishness, greed, um, people that just want to carry on within their own worlds, they don't want to deal with it. You know, obviously someone later on in the film gets um, mutilated by a, a shark, and that's where things tend to go wrong in the story. So it's just, uh, yeah, I like that. I like where Danny Boyle goes with that end. I think it's great when a director generally has that signature, so when you see his name, you kind of generally know that something something like that is possibly going to happen. And I would have been interested to see what he would have actually done with the James Bond franchise, because he was going to take it on. But then he was dropped very quickly when he started putting a few ideas on the table. And you, you probably know that he would have had James Bond suffering some sort of... Um, something possibly drug related or maybe made him like an anti-hero or something like that it would have probably made probably taken a fresh spin on the franchise um but i guess i'll be in forever wonder if that what he would have done with that but there you go that is danny ball and um i guess we're you know there's still some great stuff to come from this guy so we have to wait and see what he does in the future so that is Danny Ball, um, like I say, great director, does some great stuff. But let's move on, let's have a look at the uh, cast, who else is in this movie. So the other cast in this movie is Virginia uh, Ledgon, she's a French actress, she plays a Francois. Uh, Gwilin Canet, he plays Ention. <laughs> Sorry guys, I can't pronounce these names. Um, he's done very well for himself actually, he's, uh, he became a director, he's a French director and he brought out a thriller a few years ago called Tell No One, which I think did really well. Uh, you got Robert Carlyle, he's always good in everything he does, he plays a character called Duffy and I think he rose to fame in the Full Monty and he's also in 28 Weeks Later which is another Boyle movie. Um, 
Although slight correction there, guys. I don't think 28 weeks later was directed by Boyle. I think he was handed over. But um, anyway, Robert Carlyle, um, great actor, pretty good in whatever he does. And you've also got Tilda Swinson. She's very menacing. Um, she's recently turned up in Suspiria. And she played the witch in the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Yeah, so she's a great actress. She really does bring some conviction to the table. Um, but going back to DiCaprio, I'm just going to go back to him. And um, I say he got played a lot of money. He just come off from the success of the Titanic. Uh, you know, he's a good-looking guy, but he's one of those actors which I think has just managed not to typecast himself. He could have gone down that sort of pretty boy role, could have just vanished. But for me, you know, going on to a film like this, he just changed it a little bit, and it all changed for me when he did a film called. Um, Blood Diamond, you know, where he plays a South African bounty hunter. And then he's gone on to go and do um, Gangs of New York. And more recently, he's done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's become a really good actor, actually. He's, he's Again, he's not one of those guys that he's pretty good in whatever he does. So, yeah, I've got a lot of time for him as an actor, actually. And the film was actually filmed in Thailand. Uh, they found a lovely island called Koh P. P. Lee in Phuket. And... They had some problems with this because the locals complained. They reckon they ruined this island, so there was a lawsuit against them, which I think has been cleared up now. But I remember that being famous back in back in the day where they had problems with that. And um, you also had Ewan McGregor, who was lined up to play the main role of Richard, um, but he got dropped, and it apparently caused a feud between uh, Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle to the point where. Uh, Ewan McGregor was supposed to be in 28 Days Later, but Ewan McGregor turned it down for this reason. But, um, you know, same time, I mean, DiCaprio does a good job in this film, but I could have also seen McGregor do it as well. I think he would have done a good job as well. So, there you go. Uh, one of those mysteries which we'll never know, but uh, the old alternative R.J. McCready universe. <laughs> so, there you go, guys. That is a roundup. That's a production. Uh, that's how we got uh, the beach. Um, before I'm go into the bite-sized review here guys let's talk about the soundtrack here and the songs in this movie so you've got uh, Moby that does the porcelain songs a very nice song it's really sort of like a sort of real chill out song um, I'll post it on the page later on uh, for you guys to have a listen to and you also got the All Saints um, you know they're a girl band back in the 2000s they did a really good job here with this song really like it it's a real sort of it's a song you want to listen to when you go on holidays the Pure Shores it did really well I think it was a number one hit and uh, yeah it's a really good song it's just like I say it's just something you want to listen to when you go to the beach makes you feel like you know you've got the sun shining in your face and the waves and all that sort of stuff and the composer for this was uh, an American composer called Angelo I can't pronounce his name (laughs) Bandalementi I think that's how you pronounce it Anyway, he also did the music to Twin Peaks, so it's got that real sort of haunting sort of score to it. So, um, so yeah, so you get a really good package here, like say with the director, the music, the actors, the story, and everything. So it's a roundup, you know, it's quite a nice sort of building block for this movie. So let's have a talk about the film. Let's, uh, let's do a bite-sized review of the beach. So the film starts off with Richard, he's a young American seeking some adventure in Bangkok and he stays in a traveller's hotel where he meets a young French couple called Francois and Antian and he immediately becomes attracted to Francois. 
He also meets a character called Duffy, which is played by Robert Carlyle, and he tells him of this pristine, uninhabited, restricted island in Thailand. And he says, you know, it's a beautiful beach and a lagoon. He says, just not any old beach, this is a magical beach. Duffy then explains to Richard that there is a community on the island, but he had to leave due to um, some problems that he was having. But during the night, Duffy commits suicide and he leaves Richard a map to the island. Richard, with this map, he manages to convince Francois and Antoine to accompany him to an adventure to go and find the island. And the three backpackers now go on an adventure to go and find this island. And along the way, they stop off on a island called Koh Sumai. And this is where they meet some American surfers and they hang out with each other for the night, have a bit of fun. And this is where Richard tells them about the story of this island. And these guys know about it. They sort of say it's a bit of an urban legend in Thailand and they also say it's, a, it's an area where a large amount of cannabis is being grown and smuggled and they kind of tell them about the dangers of going to this island and then in the morning before Richard leaves he um, he makes another map and makes a duplicate of the map and he leaves it to the Americans and I think he does this just as in a way of a type of insurance policy just in case he either gets lost or stranded or he just wants someone else to know where he is in case he does go missing. They eventually arrive at the island, but before they get there, they have to swim about a mile or two miles. And this is where Richard is stood there. All three of them are stood there looking at it, looking at the swim ahead. And this is where Richard comes out and goes, I was thinking more miles and kilometers. And they're swimming. You get a nice scene here where they're swimming towards the island and you've got the um, you know, you've got the music in the background, you've got some nice uh, composed music. It's almost like sort of chill out music. And then you get Richard, he's sort of messing about, he pretends he's getting attacked by a shark, so you get a little bit of drama here, but he's just messing around. And this is where Antion is kind of going, you know, Richard, you're an idiot. And he is starting to take, Antion now, he's starting to take the role of the adult, or he's the guy who's the voice of reason where the other two, uh, Richard and Francois, are a little bit reckless at this time. And then when they reach the island, they come across a cannabis plantation with uh, Thai guys with guns and everything. And I think at this point you'd probably go, let's get out of here guys. But again, they're sort of swayed by the paradise. They're overlooking that and they want to find this retreat with this map and this adventure that they're going on. So then after avoiding detection with the uh, drug smugglers, um, they find a community of travellers and they're self-sufficient, it's totally a secret, they've got running water, food, shelter, and the community's leader is run by Sal, who's played by Tilda Swinton, as I mentioned earlier. And she has a number of questions for Richard to say, you know, how have you got here? He explains the story and he says, he promises her that he has not told anybody that which is a lie he did tell the Americans. But she believes his story and she welcomes the trio to the camp. And this is where you've got a scene now where uh, Richard and his two other friends are running around having a good time, spending some nice time on the beach. It's beautiful scenery and this is where you get the pure shores now by the All Saints as they're running around. So they're generally having a good time and they're fitting in with the community. Then nighttime falls and you get Francois who privately invites Richard to the beach and she tells him that she's falling in love with him and you get a scene here where they make love to each other in the sea. And whilst all this is going on, um, Entuon is 
secretly watching all this and he finds out you know what's going on and he says i'm not going to get in your way you know if you love each other you love each other and um he sells richard he said just you know treat her right and as i said earlier antion is becoming more like the voice of reason he's beginning to question the camp um he's trying to do the right thing uh, whilst richard has become a little bit more reckless he's he feels like he's starting to rule the roost there's a scene where he kills a shark and then one of the camp members called Bugs, which is actually Sal's uh, South African boyfriend, he says to Richard, he said, it's okay, you know, you're, you're glorifying the fact that you've killed a shark, but that is the baby shark. He said, how about if you have a go at the mother, who is eventually going to turn up and then Richard is sort of throwing it all off, he's becoming very cocky. And um, to be honest with you, Bugs has actually got a point here with this, um, with what he is doing, which... Richard then throws it all back, he says he's jealous, and he again, he's he's got the popularity of the uh, camp now. So Bugs goes away all frustrated at this time. And to make matters worse, uh, Sal selects Richard to accompany her on a supply run back to the mainland. And whilst on the mainland, this is where Richard bumps into the American guys he gave the map to, and they start talking about the island, and then this is where Sal goes, I thought he didn't tell anybody. And Richard basically says, no, I didn't. He basically tries to cover it all up. So that night, um, they also have uh, some sex with each other, despite the fact that they've got some partners back on the island and they try to keep that secret between them. So all these things are kind of sort of going out of control here. And then they return to the island and then this is where Francois says, you know, is everything all right? You know, did you guys get up to anything? You know, and he sort of lies about them, you know, having sex with each other. And then generally things return back to normal with the camp. You've got the island community running and you think things are going fine. Up until this point now, which I think is like the pinnacle of this film, you get a gruesome shark attack with some of the camp members and they get brutally... Um, mutilated to get their limbs torn off and it's quite a horrific scene it's to the point where it goes from a nice adventure movie to now it's kind of borderline like traumatic a little bit horrific horror i suppose you could say and this is where you get the divide in the community it's kind of what i said earlier with this film you've got paradise you've got the idyllic lifestyle and it's all about what people are willing to do to try and keep that lifestyle because it doesn't matter where you go, you've still got responsibilities and this is one of those responsibilities where you've got your camp members, three or, three or four of them are being attacked by a shark but then this is where Sal goes, well I want to avoid this because this is now interrupting my lifestyle, my idyllic lifestyle and I don't want to get involved with this, I don't want to look after these guys and now you get a divide in the camp and you get Enti on. Again, as I said, he's always been the kind of voice of reason. And he's the guy who helps his characters out. And he gets left on his own in, in a tent with a guy who's dying. And it's it's quite a... It's quite a horrific scene, actually, when you watch this. I remember watching it back in the cinema, thinking, what people are willing to do to try and stick to this lifestyle and evade all responsibility here? So poor old Ention is left in the camp. And this is what he says to Richard. He said, he says to him, I can't believe you. I can't believe this. This is disgusting. I hate your community. I'm just going to get out of here. He says, you're just willing to leave a guy to die. So like I say, it's really where this film turns. And then you've got the surfers who turn up as well to make matters worse with Sol. Um, 
She uh, furiously orders Richard to now observe them until they leave. And then Sal tells everybody in the community that she had sex with Richard. So now you've got a divide. The group now splits up. So you've now got anarchy within the community. And now this is where Richard kind of goes off the loop a little bit. He starts to begin to lose his sanity. He starts uh, stalking the cannabis farmers. Um, he starts stealing some of their items. And he just becomes like the uh, man of the wilderness. And uh, there's a crazy scene. I remember talking about this uh, when this came out. It's just I've never seen anything like it. it. It's like he turns into a computer game character and he's running around and he's like collecting points. And he's just, I guess it's just all this weirdness that's going on in his brain. And then the American surfers who have reached the island, they get captured by the um, drug smugglers and they get killed, which Richard witnesses. So all this that's going on, you know, you've got the shark attack, you've got the camp community that's been divided, you've got the surfers that have now been killed by the drug smugglers. So, you know, what once was paradise is now turned into hell, pretty much. And Richard goes back to the camp and he goes to Ention, he says, look, you know, and Chris Joe said, we've got to get off this island. But then again, Ention says, you know, I'm not leaving this um, shark attack victim who's, you know, leg has become sort of gangrenous now. But then you get another, like I say, you get another dark scene now where now Richard suffocates this guy, you know, this uh, shark victim. He kills him. Richard is then captured by the drug smugglers and they take him back to the camp community. It's where you find out that they have actually allowed this community to be on the island. Um, just as long as they don't break any deals with any newcomers and that. So they found this out. And you've got a scene now of the farmer who gives Sal a loaded gun with a single bullet and orders her to make a choice. Kill Richard and the group will be allowed, allowed to stay. Or else they must then all leave the island. So then you get a scene here where Sal pulls the trigger but the chamber is now empty. And shocked by her willingness to commit murder here this is where the group say that's it enough is enough and this is where everybody ends up leaving the island and that's pretty much where the film comes to a close now you've got that um the community breaks down and everybody leaves and it cuts to a scene where richard is now back in the usa um he's carrying on with his normal life and then he gets an email from francois and it's a picture of the three of them as they're about to go on their adventures when things were happier times so I think it's more of a sort of nostalgia thing that she's sending him not to sort of resurrect a relationship or anything like that but that's it it's kind of like sort of left as an open ending but there you go that is it that is um the beach from 2000 so it is a as I said earlier it starts off as an adventure film um trying to find paradise and you know, once they do find paradise they have a good time but then all of a sudden it turns into a very very dark movie for the last part of this movie which um i, f I sometimes forget about you know i don't watch this film all the time but when i do revisit i think my wow you know you get the shark attack you get the farmers killing the american surfers you get richard he actually he actually murders somebody in this film you know he kills that um shark victim and he gets away with it um so yeah, so ultimately, um, like I say, it's a, it's a very sort of dark Danny Boyle movie, which um, I think is worth revisiting if you haven't um, seen it for a while, it's worth having a look at. And um, the other thing I was going to mention as well is it's very similar to, um, or in fact, 
it's a it's another telling, I guess you could say, of the William Golding Lord of the Flies movie, where you kind of got the got the boys stranded on the island. You got the kind of got the divide between the two, sort of like the righteousness, righteousness and the recklessness, and uh, what people are you know willing to do in these environments and stuff like that. So, um, and it's also a isolation isolation movie as well, I guess you could say, which is another. Uh, favourite genre of mine in, in, in the movie world so so there, there you go it's um yeah I'm glad I'm cov- covered this one for the show it's um I thought I'd do something a little bit different from you know sort of like the action and the horror it's a little bit of a deep episode I've gone into a few deep areas here but like you say it's just uh, good to cover stuff like that and it's good from the storyteller and the director and all that I do like it when um, something is creative which is different you know when you go to watch a film and you think you've come away with something there so so there you go guys that is the beach hope you enjoyed the show there um, I will close on that hope you enjoyed it if you haven't seen it go check it out so um, a little bit of admin guys for the show I oh, will be back soon I've got quite a busy schedule at the moment actually I've just um, I've just recorded some guest um, episodes as you know with uh, Dan Dan Bone with uh, Enter the Dragon. I recently recorded uh, Beverly Hills Cop with Mark Lockhart. We had a lot of fun there with that. And um, I've got The Man with the Golden Gun coming up as a solo episode. And I've got some more guest spots coming up. I've got Dan coming back for uh, Jackie Chan's Police Story. I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, And I've also got Gary Hill from Cinema Beef Podcast. He mentioned a film called Remo Williams with Fred Ward. I've never seen it before. But I had a quick look on um, YouTube. I saw a little clip of him running through some cement, doing some ninja stuff. And I was sold straight away. So um, look out for that episode. We'll be recording soon. That should be dropping in the next few weeks or so. So, um, so yeah, there you go, guys. Um, I'm also a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. So... Go and check out all the other shows there. And you can find uh, Bite Size Cinema Podcasts on iTunes and YouTube and several other players on the internet if you put in Bite Size Cinema Podcasts. So there you go, guys. I've got to close the show now, so keep it bite size, keep it safe, and I will see you soon. this show then make sure you check out the other great shows on the legion podcast network like cinema psyops cinema beef devour the podcast duncan and Bo come correct exploding heads horror movie podcast friday the 13th get slayed the hell Ming power hour hello this is the doom show hero hero ghost show kill the cast underwater kaiju from outer space jerry hates action legion after dark metal health obsessive cinema discourse Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, 
Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found.